Ladies and gentlemen, basketball fans across the world, welcome to the Basketball Podcast, the number one basketball history podcast on the Basketball Podcast Network. You can go follow them at HoopsPodNet on Twitter and Instagram if you have those accounts. And it's part two of Dwayne Wade week here at the Passable Podcast. If you haven't checked out part one yet with Coach Tony Fiorentino and Jeremy Tashay, digital host of Fox Sports Florida, go and check that out before you listen to this one because it is a prequel for what we're going to discuss today. Coach JT, welcome back to the show. Glad sure. to have you. We talked on our last episode a little bit more about the first two seasons of Dwayne Wade's career the heat drafting him and getting him into the fold and then trading for Shaq. But now it's 0506, the third year of Dwayne Wade's career and the first championship of the Miami heat franchise. So at the beginning of the season coach, cause you're, you were a, um, you were the color commentator for the team. So you saw, you know, pretty much every game for the team. What was the expectation going that year? Because you you lose in Game 7 in in the Eastern Conference Finals. You have Wade and Shaq for another year together. What was the the energy around that team? Was it championship or bust? Or what was was the expectation for that team going into that season? Well, I know what I was feeling. I was feeling during that season for the first time that let's get the regular season over with. Mm. Let's get to the – Let's get to the playoffs. That's a good feeling to have. Yeah. You know, let's get to the playoffs, okay? Because we came within a, uh, a minute and a half of getting to the finals the year before when Detroit beat us in the Eastern Finals. And we were so anxious to get – I was. And normally I can get a feel for the team from a coaching standpoint what they were feeling. So there might have been that little feeling there. Let's, you know, we have to play these games. Let's do the best we can but let's get to the playoffs. And so eventually that season wore on. We did have a pretty good record and we did get to the playoffs. And now we have to, you know, get out of the East and it has to go through Detroit, obviously. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone, you know, the expectation, the expectations were high, but as you know, something unusual happened during the season in December, Stan Van Gundy stepped down as the coach. Right. Pat Riley came from the president's chair because he was doing, at first he was doing both. Then he moved upstairs and hired Stan to be the head coach. He came back downstairs, so to speak, became the head coach again. Okay. And took over the team in mid to late December. And then there's, there's a ton of stories from then on about how we got into the playoffs and, um, you know, we had to beat Detroit. We had game six here in Miami and we beat, we were up three to two in the series and we beat them four two. we go to the finals. Now we got to face Dallas. Mm. Dallas had one of the best perimeter play teams in the NBA along with Nowitzki, a hall of famer, future hall of famer. They had home court advantage. They had the better record. Um, we go to Dallas the first two games, and we got to go because we, uh, NBC, uh, um, ABC, a- NBC, AB- I think it's NBC. It was ABC at the time, yeah. They, they were doing the games, so we mm-hmm. didn't get to do them. But we did a pregame and a postgame. So we all got to go. And so awesome. Eric Reed and I were at the game. We did a pregame show, 
And then we did post-game shows. And so we got to go on the trip and be with the team. Well, Dallas wins the first two games by a lot. 16, 17 point games, whatever, and wins. Both are double. Eric and I are doing a show, post-game show, on a little platform. So these people who are walking out, they they look over and they see us because the platform was up and they're, they're making like eye level with us. And they're yelling, sweep, sweep, Ooh. you know, rubbing it in. They didn't know they were right because we swept the next four yeah. years. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. then we come back to Miami. All right. And what was interesting was we found out later when they went into the locker room after the second game, they're down 0-2. The next three games are in Miami. Okay. And then. If needed, six and seven will be back in Dallas. Pat Riley wrote the numbers on the board. I think it was six, 20, uh, oh, six. Six, 20, oh, six. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that was the date of game six. People are looking uh-huh. at the board. They say, now, what do those numbers mean? He said to the team. Nobody knew. He says, that's the night we win the championship. Yep. That was game six. Yep. And I, so he was planting that seed right away. So we come home, we play game three, and it looks bleak. We're down 13 with six and a half minutes left. That was when the famous saying by Dwayne Wade coming out of the huddle, we ain't going out this way. Mm -hmm. All right. We outscored them 21 to seven. I believe it was in the last six and a half minutes. But what people don't remember about the end of that game, very interesting what happened. We're up. I think we were up one. I think we won the game by one. We might've won by two. I think we won by one. Yeah. 98, 96 game three. 98, 96. We won by two. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, Rick Carlisle calls timeout. He has Nowitzki take the ball out because you want to be able to go over to Big guy, mm-hmm. okay? And what they ran a perfect play. Really a great play. Dwayne Wade is on the opposite box away from, it's right in front of the heat bench. If you can picture this at the arena. Dwayne Wade's on the opposite box away from the, it's a, he's on the far box guarding mm-hmm. his man. His man comes up and back screens Dwayne Wade's teammate. All right? Josh Howard comes off the screen. Yep. Now, Dwayne Wade, one of the things that people don't realize about Dwayne, and I mentioned it a thousand times, how intelligent he is, yep. how smart a basketball player. He just had it. He had the whole package like LeBron. They're both mm-hmm. the same. Very, very smart basketball players, not just ability-wise, not just Hall of Fame talent. They, they were great, great minds of basketball. And his man came up and back screened. Here comes Josh Howard off the screen. If Dwayne Wade stayed with his man, yep. the play would have worked because Nowitzki threw the perfect pass to the right side of the rim. Josh Howard went up to get the pass. Dwayne Wade came with Josh Howard. He switched, mm-hmm. and he knocked the, the pass away. So now we're now it's two to one. The series is two to one. And then game three, four, we blew him out. Yep. Now comes game five. Mm-hmm. All right? Game five winds up. Overtime, I believe, we're down. Yeah, we're overtime. Down one mm-hmm. with about 11 seconds left. 
taking the ball out at half court. You know where the ball's going. Because Dwayne Wade was averaging, I think, 20 free throws a game. He was getting fouled yep. every time he touched the ball. So they throw the ball to him in the backcourt. He dribbles in and out of two or three guys. He goes to the basket and gets fouled. He makes the two free throws. Now we're up 3-2 going back to Dallas. Mm -hmm. Okay? So we go back to Dallas, and in the first, in the game six, Dallas, I think, had the best home record in the NBA that year. So in game six, now they just blew us out twice in games one and two. Dallas fans thought the series was over. Go back, uh, go back a little bit. After game two, a journalist from Dallas wrote, um, the Heat are not worthy opponents in headlines. Somebody wrote that in the Dallas paper. And you know that went on the clipboard, you know, went on the yep. on the in the heat locker room. It went up on the on the on the board. Um and then we come back for game six now. We're up three to two. In the first quarter, they were up, they go up double figures. Mm -hmm. So what does Pat Riley do? He brings in uh James Posey, he brings in Gary Payton, yeah, and band. he brings That's in Alonzo Morning. Okay. Because people thought the game was over. We're at the arena. Yep. We see it. We can feel it. They thought game six was over. Let's go to game seven. Halftime was a one-point game. Yep. All right. Alonzo Mourning had the most impactful and dramatic 13, 14 minutes in the history of the NBA Finals. Yep. He had eight points, six rebounds, five block shots, four fouls. He wouldn't let anybody get near the rim from Dallas. And, he, and when he block a shot, he'd get up and do that, you know, that little dance, a little, <laughs> you know, he was, it, it was such a contagious feeling. He was not going to let Dallas win that night. And then, as you know, what comes down at the end, uh, what's his name? Terry misses the shot. Mm -hmm. Dwayne Wade gets the rebound, flicks it up in the air and the heat of the world champions. And then what was interesting, another interesting thing about that was that before the game, Pat Riley told his team, Check out at a hotel. Yep. We're not coming back here. Yep. Check out. We're going home. I mean, well, can you imagine if that backfired and you had to play game seven? Oh, man. But Pat Riley's not like that. He's going all in, man. He's going all in. Uh -huh. You call your shot. You better be right. Hey, that's what he You're got. Right. He said one suit, one shirt, one yep. tie. One suit. Yep. Right? Right. So what, did we, what happens? After the game, it was interesting because we got to interview Udonis after the game. And Udonis was crying on the air. It was great. It was great. Great emotion. I remember. You know, nobody gave us a chance. Nobody gave me a chance. And, you know, he's a starter on that team. So I think he had a double-double in that game. And he's so great. he said it was the champagne that was getting stuck in his <laughs> eyes. You know, it was really cool by him. And then he admitted uh, later that he was teary-eyed. But we go, after that, we go to the team hotel and had a party. And it was the first time I coached high school in New York. And we won the public school state championship twice. My first three years of coaching, we were 27 and two, both years, right? My first and third year coaching at my alma mater, Mount Vernon, but we lost the last game by one and by two. So mm -hmm. in my coaching career, I never won the last game, never won the champion, the, the total championship game. And there you are at this party with all heat family and friends and players and announcers and players and coaches and, and there's no more games. We won. Oh. And they played that. We had the song by The Rising by uh, Springsteen. Pat oh, Riley's man. good friend from New Jersey. And they're playing the song. And Riley's out there dancing. And Shaq comes out and dances with Riley. And as they're dancing, 
Shaq starts patting butt, uh, starts patting Pat Riley on the butt while they're dancing and everybody's <laughs> crap. What a great time it was. And you know what's interesting too? Talks about talk about how Pat Riley took care of all all business, always was always forward thinking. They got on a plane about four o'clock in the morning to fly back. They were drinking champagne on the plane. They were drinking champagne at the hotel, right? And they checked he out had, of the hotel, so they couldn't go back there. Yeah, they couldn't go back. <laughs> he had 20 cars waiting at the private airport on 36th Street when He's they the came bad. back to take all the everybody home. Yep. So they wouldn't be driving, coming off a hangover or still, you know, feeling it. That's Riley. Pretty cool. And then you go back the next day and get your car, whatever. Who cares? Yep. You won a championship. Oh. And then we had that big parade down Biscayne Boulevard. Mm-hmm. One of the great, one of the great uh, uh, memories I have is that in all three championship parades, because that was the first one, and then we had one in 12 and 13, I got to be on the float with Dwayne Wade. I had to interview him mm. for posterity. Okay, you, know, awesome. you, you put it in the archives. Yeah. And so being on that float with him and going around Biscayne Boulevard and around the streets and seeing the thousands and thousands of fans, the look in their eyes, I was looking at the fans' eyes. It was amazing how how much they. It's like they won, and 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 they were like they were so emotional. It was just amazing. I'll never forget the look in their eyes. And Dwayne Wade's on the float, and they know they couldn't have done it. Dwayne Wade averaged almost forty a game in the four games after going zero and two, and 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 he was voted a couple of years later as at that time having the greatest performance in the history of the NBA Finals with what he did, and. That solidified him forever. In his third year in the NBA, he's a world champion and MVP of the finals. Pretty cool. Pretty cool mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, yeah. man. Jeremy, I'm, I'm sure like, you had a little bit more of a sober celebration. You're, you're, I can tell now. But like, what were your emotions when you <laughs> – now that it's been brought back, take me back to when you were watching Dwayne Wade throw the ball up in the air. He yeah. are the world champions. And cool. Jeremy Tache is – yeah, I'm so I'm 10, 11 years old or 2006, summer of 06. I'm 11 years old. Um, and I think what was so special about watching that season and that that team was. So going back to the beginning of it, you see the additions of Gary Payton, Jason Williams, Antoine Walker, like these dudes that had been in the league for a while that you're you're looking at the team, you know, again, even as a little kid, you know, every even when we're little kids, we're having those conversations about rosters and James Posey Posey. and James Posey was a huge part of that team. He was Was. three and D player. I mean, he was great. And it was so fun watching all those role players on that team. Um, for that matter, during the regular season for a few minutes here and there, Jason Capono, uh, who was the three-point shooting champion. Sure. But, but watching that team in the playoffs and what was essentially just about an eight-man rotation of the of all the guys we've mentioned at this point. Um, but a bunch of veterans, guys who a bunch of them were chasing their first championship. Um all sort of on the back of Dwayne Wade, who's this kid, you know, for all intents and purposes. I'm looking back and I'm going, okay, he's my age right now. I'm 25. He was 25, you know, and he's carrying this franchise with a bunch of dudes that are NBA legends. Gary Payton's on this team. Shaq's on this team in a much smaller sense. 
era legends in Antoine Walker and Jason Williams. They're stars of their time in, in one way or another. And Dwayne Wade's the one carrying it. And it's so, I think it's so rare that as a fan, you get to experience, I don't think it, I don't know that it's happened in South. I don't know if I've experienced this in South Florida, other than Dwayne Wade of a player that your team drafts and grows and is in that moment, the star best player in the world. And you just know that because we have that guy, anything is possible for my team. It's really, really rare. And I don't know that that's happened in my, like, like I, I, God, do I hope that Bam Adebayo turns into one of those guys for the Heat for the next fifteen years? But we don't know that yet, right? And already, that was only Dwayne Wade's third season. Bam's in his fourth right now, and he's on a crazy trajectory for a player. So when you think about like what that really was, is in Dwayne Wade just just there, his third season. He's a kid, and he's carried Shaq. You know, who who was still great. Like Shaq was still a huge part of that. That's not to downplay what Shaq was, but has taken this team where he's clearly the guy who took over starting game three and goes on this run of, I had personally, as at that point, an 11-year-old, never seen anything like that four-game stretch from any player. Like I'd never yeah. seen anything like it in sports. I'd never you know, seen anything like it. You know, it's interesting. I remember little things. The mo- The biggest play in that game, Game six. The Heat were up in the fourth quarter. Dallas starts coming back. You, I always said this for many years as an announcer. You expect the home team to make a run. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. A good team's going to come at you. you got to be able to withstand the run. Maybe two runs. So there was about three or four minutes left in the game. We're up about three. And they're coming. We Maybe we're up ten. Now it's three. Yeah. You could feel it. The crowd... Dwayne comes down on the right side near the elbow, just above the elbow. And here's a guy that was almost 40 a game, right? So they double-teamed him. He might have been triple-teamed. They weren't going to let him beat them at that point because they had all the momentum. So what does he do? He makes a perfect pass to James Posey in the right corner, right in front of Dallas's bench. Posey buries the three. Yep. And I've said this for many years as an announcer, try to make fans understand. Sometimes it's not what you score. It's when you score. Yep. Okay. The guy might've had only six points in the game, but if he made two big bus buckets down the stretch, you know how important that is. That was the biggest shot of the game. I thought absolutely when he made that shot and put us up six, it stifled the momentum. The crowd had to calm down. The bench had to calm down and, we went on to win the game. Well, and it was also the thing that was so great about Dwayne was was he had to give it up. Like, yeah. Well, and the thing that was different between him and LeBron is like LeBron and the irony of the roles that they played when they were on the Heat. But LeBron, LeBron's a point guard in a power forward's body. Like he's a past first mentality. He's always just about getting the most efficient, most open shot, and he's kind of been that way since he's pretty young. It's obvious. Dwayne Wade was a scorer who was such a great basketball mind also that he was willing to make the extra pass, that he was willing to give it up if he knew, like he thought having the ball in his hands, meet like his confidence was no matter what shot I take, it's better than anybody else taking a shot. I could score on those three guys. Right, I could score no matter what. I could score on these guys. And only one. Right, and he could have, but his ability and willingness to give up the ball, 
And that just shows his entire career arc, to be honest. I mean, that that ends up going into the big three and all of it. His his willingness to step back from the unselfishness line yep. and his unselfishness, even in the midst of the biggest moments, yes. is what made him so great. And so we look back at at the scoring and the specific numbers of that finals, but it is it's little moments like that and the maturity of being a third year player who's still willing to give up that shot, who more than anything is getting to the line, playing physical. I mean, the game, like going back, I recently over throughout God through the pandemic, there was all sorts of times where you're watching random replays of games that are on, you know, ESPN classic, whatever. And there was a week where on NBA TV, they were showing some of this finals. You go back and you watch and the style of basketball is just, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's just a completely different game. Yes, Everything was in the paint. And so watching, I mean, I watch guys right now with, if there's one player who's in the paint, guys struggle to navigate to get to the basket. And at that time, you were like, if you're Dwayne Wade, when he's driving to the hoop, he's lucky if there's one guy standing behind the three-point line on his own offense. Like, it is cluttered, and he's still finding a way not only to get to the line, but like, he's a ton of three-point plays where he's getting the line and finishing in, in a cluster where you look now, there's no player in the NBA that would be able to do what young Dwayne Wade was doing around the rim. It was spectacular. You know, it's a good backstory to that. You never, you don't hear anything about this. But mm. in preparation for the finals, Eric Spolstra took five guys who weren't going to play. Yeah. Okay? I, I like you said, we, we basically went with eight or nine camp. guys. And they became the Dallas Mavericks. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Scott he got so yeah, Paul Barron was Nowitzki. Earl Barron, yep. He, he was dark Nowitzki because he could shoot. Yeah. And so the Heat had rules about Nowitzki with with Udonis Gardenum, you know what you make him do, what you when you right. double team. And Nowitzki had a real good series, but uh -huh. he didn't dominate the series. Yep. And so it was Eric Spolster with his five guys that were Dallas running their plays, mm -hmm. and so the Heat could run their scouting report and how they wanted to play certain situations. That helped lead to the victory when they won it all, you know, when it, when it was all said and done. So there were a lot of hidden variables to the championship that come into play. And guys like Posey and guys like Gary Payton make, making mm -hmm. a big shot yep. in that run when mm -hmm. we went in game three, when we were down yep. 13. He made a big jump shot in that game. I remember the look on his face after. <laughs> he did it right in front of the Dallas bench. Yep. It was incredible. Okay, he wasn't the Gary Payton that he was throughout his career. But that one big moment, he came through. Yep. Okay, it yep. was his first and only championship. Yep. And so there's little things that happen. Antoine Walker, double-double in, in, in that game six with Udonis. Yep. Okay? And, I, you know, and you can make a pretty good argument that uh, per minutes played, Alonzo Mourning may have had a better series than Shaq. He did. You know, I would make that something. argument. Shaq still yeah. was a dominant player. You know, without Alonzo Mourning, I had to introduce him at the Reed and Fiorentino uh, dinner a few years later mm -hmm. with the uh, Don Shula Sports Legend Award. And I was wearing the 06 ring. I have the, I the 13 it. ring on now, the back-to-back. -back. And, I, and I introduced him. I said, Zoe, see the ring, the championship ring? I would not be wearing this now if you didn't come back from the cancerous kidney mm -hmm. and decide to come back when everybody was telling him not to. It was crazy. Because he still had something unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And we might not have won that. That we wouldn't. I don't think we would to this day with all the exploits of Dwayne Wade. I don't think we would have won in games in the, in 06 without Alonzo Mourning. Oh, 
I guess a good place to put this bow around. So Dwayne Wade, this, this series is one of, you know, I think even 15 years now, this is coming up this, this June is 15 years since Dwayne Wade and the heat won their first championship. So yeah, JT is like, yeah, I'm like, like, yeah, no time flies, bro. But you know, Obviously, Dwayne Wade goes, he forms the big three, they win two more championships. Dwayne Wade, you know, moves on to have a Hall of Fame career. But where does this 2006 finals, what is the impact on his legacy, not just with the Heat, but with South Florida and his career as an NBA player? How much does this final series and this first championship have on his whole career? Well, I don't think, you know, I'm not from here. I'm from New York, mm-hmm. but I always liked the Dolphins. I liked Marino. Mm-hmm. I liked Don Shula. I appreciated them. Even though they had the, he had the Giants and the Jets in New York, I always liked <laughs> I always liked the Dolphins. So when I came down here, Dan Marino was the man. He's still the man. Yep. But no one could have ever predicted that a basketball player could be accepted by a football community as he was, as if he was born here, Dwayne yep. Wade was born in Chicago and the suburbs of Chicago to come to Miami and be the person that he was and win like he did and be the, be the really great person that he is. Okay. And rival Dan, uh, Dan Marino as the greatest sports icon in the history of South Florida. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing story. And when he, and when he did that, in know, in Oh uh, six. Okay. He wasn't satisfied because you remember a few years later in 09, he led the league in scoring 30 points yep. a game yep. and he hated it. He yep. did not like it in that. in that, I believe in that season is when he scored 55 against the Knicks at home. Uh-huh. He had 55 mm-hmm. points against the Knicks at home. And the game before that, I just saw it. I was reading the, when, when we played the Knicks, I read the, uh, the game sheet, the game notes. Uh-huh. Dwayne Wade had 55 in the game. And the game before that, I think he had 46 against the Knicks. So here's a guy who averaged 30 a game, led the league in scoring, and said, I don't want this anymore. This is this is not going to work. And then right after the uh, the 9-10 season is when, you know, the three guys came together. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And you, you talk about Marino and how Dwayne Wade kind of rivals him. But Jeremy, you're part of the generation that didn't really see Marino play in his prime, but you got to see Dwayne Wade and you saw his whole career play out. So what do you think his legacy on Miami was when he won a championship in your childhood? Yeah, I didn't expect this podcast to make me as emotional as it's like legitimately like kind of choked up by this because I'm real. It's a lot of self-reflection in a lot of ways here for me. Dwayne Wade is my sports childhood. Like Dwayne Wade is half the reason I think I'm a sports fan because I had somebody like that who was here throughout my entire youth of growing up as a heat fan. I mean, think about it. I'm in elementary school. I'm eight years old when he's drafted. I'm 10, 11 years old when he wins his first championship. I'm a high school kid when the big three is winning championships. It's the perfect sort of, um, you know, it was the perfect timing to have all of those things happen. They all happened at such a wonderful um, moment of of youth and Dwayne Wade was such a huge part of that but what's so special is like we also kind of like got to watch Dwayne Wade grow up too 
Like there's a reason that we hold Dwayne Wade in this really special place in our our hearts as um as fans and it's because we saw his personal life play out in front of us. We saw him now marry Gabby. We see the way he's raising his children. For that matter, like after toward the tail end of Dwayne Wade's career, you know, the him I still there's some sort of weird cosmic thing there with the fact that he was traded back just days before everything that happened at Stoneman Douglas and for him to be able to be here in this community and help through everything that happened there. We're coming up. I mean, I don't know when this is going to be released, but as we're recording this, we're just a few days yeah. away from Valentine's Day, and that's mm-hmm. yeah. the anniversary yeah. of that. And and his impact there, I mean, his his impact in the community in terms of 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 giving just charity of his time, you know, with his, I mean, we've it's he's a huge part of the South Florida you, community. You know what? In a weird way. You got to take oh, that one step further too. Yeah. Because how many guys retire, announce their retirement? Mm. And then every city they go to for the last every time city mm-hmm. honors them. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, that doesn't happen. Philadelphia, Philadelphia, right. don't give anybody any credit. You know, you're right. a and they, and player, they, man. They killed and you. an ovation. Boston. <laughs> and they hate you know, So everywhere he went, everywhere he went, they played the, the, up on the screen. Yep. They, they gave him uh, gifts. He exchanged uniform top, you know, right. uh, shirt, uh, jerseys. Mm-hmm. It just shows you how beloved he was and how much he was respected for playing the game the right way mm-hmm. and being the person that he is, you right. know, and th- th- there's no getting around that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's who he is. And, you know, you're right. We watched him grow from a kid mm-hmm. out of Chicago, coming to Miami, not knowing what was going to happen, right. trusting the coaching staff, Eric Spolster, to teach him the right way to play, being receptive to that. Telling LeBron James after he comes here when the Heat was struggling for a while. Take over. LeBron, this is your team. Yep. Okay? You don't have to defer to me or anybody else. This is your team. We'll ride your coattail. Okay? Well, and when you you ask the question of what does the 06 – like when when we wrap it up with what does the 06 championship mean, I think that's the huge part is – if Dwayne Wade doesn't win in 2006 and doesn't have that performance and doesn't cement himself so early on as a legendary sort of alpha male of a of a franchise, maybe he's in his own head, in his own ego, in his own ability to take the back seat. Maybe, who knows, number one, if the big three forms at all, but if it does, maybe there's a little more tug for who's the guy Good point right? because Good point. he's already got the monkey off his back yes help guide lebron and bosh to the championship get, get in a way yep. that's different so that first championship the big three can't exist the way that it does without that first championship in so many ways in the heat's ability to go pluck a star and disband everything else that's around mm-hmm. you to make something work in Dwayne wade's ability to, to not only be the ultimate winner, to, but to be able to take that back seat. All of it goes back to that 2006 championship and the Heat's ability also to piece together role players, right? Because the first example of Riley doing that with the Heat is Jason Williams and James Posey. But ultimately, you know, a couple years later after the Heat lose to Dallas in that first iteration of the big three, you're adding players like Ray Allen and Shane Battier 
and all of these perfect Birdman, these role players yep. fit in with the stars. And so 06 gave the Heat franchise sort of a first run at that. And then they got to do it again in 2012 and 13 and, and really that whole run. No, you're right. And, you know, I, I, uh, I have three rings because of it. Okay. Uh, and I wear the, I wear the championship ring 2013, the back-to-back ring. Because most people like to see it. And mm. so whenever I take a picture with somebody or they come in, tell you, would you like to take a picture of the <laughs> ring? I love doing that when we went to different arenas in the NBA because we had fans everywhere we went. So cool. And, you know, in mm. our camp, two years ago in our camp, we broke a record. I think the record, if I, if I can recall, we had, we had kids come to, to South Florida in the summer where it's 90, 95 degrees to go to the heat camp, okay, from 33 different countries. Wow. All over the world. Coming That's amazing. From, wow. Coming from Russia, coming from China. You I can't believe That's amazing. these kids came from everywhere to come to the heat camp. 33. That's Our culture. record was 32, and we broke it two summers ago with 33 different countries, Denmark, and we had a family that was coming back every year. We have a, a girl, mm. a very good a girl basketball player from New Jersey, who started mm. coming to us when she was like in seventh grade, and she came every year to come to to her senior year. So it's really, uh, you know, we we become a worldwide uh, attraction, and some of it, a lot of it, has to do with the accomplishments of those four straight years going to the finals. I went to Ireland to some. Mm. I, I've done. I've been to Ireland four times. I have friends there. I've done. I did clinics as a high school coach. So I went back there uh, two years after we won, two summers after we won in 13, 14. I went to like the, either the summer of 15 or the summer of 16. It was like big news all over Ireland. You know, the coach from the Heat is here, even though I was the announcer. <laughs> and I brought the ring. I mean, it was like it was it was news Man. all over Ireland. Dublin was upset because I didn't go to Dublin. That's crazy. I went to County Cork and I went to Limerick and it's worldwide. The, the attraction is cool worldwide. Is and we can thank Dwayne Wade in large part for that. Yeah, shout out, shout out Dwayne Wade for that. But yeah. I think this is a good place to park our episode. But thank you so much, Coach. Thank you, Jeremy Tache, for coming on to the Passable Podcast. Jeremy, you're first. Feel free to drop whichever links, anything you're working on, where the listeners can find you. Floor is yours. Yeah, so um, – you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, cross-platform, at Jeremy Taché. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-T-A-C-H-E. Um, yeah, and that's that's sort of everywhere right now. I'm making some new uh, digital content for Fox Sports Florida. Hopefully lots of heat-oriented content. So that should all be coming relatively soon whenever this podcast is released. So you can follow me there. You can follow at Fox Sports Heat on Twitter as well, where... Most nights, I am running that handle, uh, live tweeting our game, sending out highlights, and having some fun with you guys. So, um, yeah, and and also for what it's worth, my DMs are open. So if you want to get to know more about me and the work that I do, I'd be happy to talk with any one of you. Yeah, if you're a fan of uh, John Mulaney, if you're a fan <laughs> of Justin Timberlake, Shit's yeah. Creek, Jeremy's your guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. In <laughs> that way, I'm I'm your guy for all of that stuff too. Yeah. All right, Coach Tony, thank you so much. Feel free to drop whichever links you're working on and feel free to promote the basketball camp you work on. Floor is yours. Well, hopefully uh, we're going to make a decision in the next month or so to have camps this summer. We'll see. 
Mm-hmm. I, I probably we have a shot because the vaccine's coming and it looks like it's getting better. Um, so that there'll be news on the on the heat.com. But I have a website, not just basketball.com. It's a, I have 40 tips on there, Tony's tips. I have a page on anti-bullying. I have pictures of, uh, you know, championship rings and trophies and heat players, myself, a lot of different people, quotes. There's uh, some categories there where you can get quotes from different people. And so it's, it's really a cool website, not just basketball.com. And then I'm on Twitter at Tony Heat 3XWC, three times world champion. Three times the world champion here on the Passable Podcast. And if you want to follow me, I don't have any rings, but if you want to follow me, uh, you can do so at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. You can also follow the Passable Podcast on Twitter at P-A-S-T-K-E-T Ball. And if you'd like to follow any of the podcast, all of the podcasts on the Basketball Podcast Network, you can do so at Hoops Pod Net on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to also subscribe and download to the Passable Podcast on your podcast app of choice. We produce episodes every Tuesday with the part ones and Wednesday with the part twos. So check out every Tuesday and Wednesday. But if you subscribe and download, you'll get the notification on your device and you can just listen enjoy the ride thank you so much jeremy and tony we definitely have to do this again sometime and until next time rewind and be kind